0: Now, where did I put it? Hmm. Ah, here it is. Welcome to the toolbox. Tools for life and everything in between. Stuff you can use or toss, it's up to you. Hey everyone, my name Chance Burles. I'm a former Master Corporal with the Canadian Combat Engineers. I served for eight years in the Canadian Forces, including an eight-month tour in Afghanistan in 2008. I was diagnosed with post-traumatic stress in 2013, including major depressive disorder. And what I'm bringing to you is the tools in which I've used and others have used to move forward in life. I hope you enjoy it. Let me, first off, welcome, Chris. How are you doing? Thanks for joining me today. Uh, I'm going to have some questions for you right off the bat, but uh, you are the owner-operator of Mjolnir Initiative,
1: correct? Yeah, that's right. Uh, So I'm Chris Williams. I'm the owner-operator of MIA, also known as Mjolnir Initiative Apparel. Uh, We started up 2018 with the idea that we would actually uh, go forward and do some kick-ass apparel that kind of inspires the troops, if you will. Oh, yeah. For sure. I'm wearing your I'm wearing red shirt right now, actually. <laughs> That's awesome. Thank That's you very cool. much. I like it. So,
0: first off, uh, let's just start with uh, your history. Who are you? And what is your military background?
1: So, they already know who I am because I introduced myself. That's correct. But <laughs> so, I joined the service uh, 2001, September 27th. We all know our dates yep. and I started basic training October 2nd. Uh, I joined up as a Naval electronic technician and, uh, then later on went on to a uh, Naval electronic sensor operator because I was 18 at the time and guns and missiles seemed way better than doing electrical and en- electronic engineering. Um,
0: that does sound better so
1: yeah 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 well you know you're 18 right you don't think about on the other end of things
0: although man, I'm, I, I'm, I'm in my late 30s and i would still take guns over electronics <laughs> <laughs>
1: well it, it, while i don't disagree with you i will say that my old man did mention to me that i want a trade that's going to benefit me on the other side you know and i i can definitely see the The words that are pearls of wisdom in that.
0: Yep. My granddad said the same thing when I told him I was going to join the engineers. He said, why? Join the Air Force, man. They sleep in beds.
1: Yeah. No, that was definitely a conversation I ended up having at one point. uh, Because when I went to join up, I actually wanted to be a vehicle tech or a math tech, which uh, my father was very much against being uh, Emi himself. He was a retired master corporal vehicle tech. Yep. (laughs) and uh his thought process on it was he pissed way too many people off while he was in so he didn't want to subject me to that and uh (laughs) give me a fighting chance (laughs) so yeah i ended up joining the navy because uh the navy uh what is it The, the beds are dry you have a shower every day hot meals every meal And uh, how far were they going to make you run? The length of the ship? Yeah, you can do that. So that was the rationale. And uh, 18-year-old me did the okay, Dad. And uh, that's how I became a a (laughs) a sailor in the Royal Canadian Navy. And uh, of note, I had no idea that we even had
0: ships. (laughs) Most people don't, actually. That's one of the things. I mean, you ask anybody that's not around the military or has some sort of military background. They don't know we have a Navy. They don't know we have an Air Force. They barely recognize that we have an Army. And it's, uh, you know, even funny here in, you go south of Edmonton at all, southern Edmonton, and you ask, you know, where are the closest bases? And they're like, I don't know. And,
1: yeah, and they're just, literally like 30 kilometers away. Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's very interesting, right? Yeah. Um, so for me, what my career ended up entailing was um, deployments, because as I'm sure you remember, Afghanistan was happening operation Apollo was coming up online and I was literally right out of basic training and I was put on the uh, HMCS St. John's and she was going to be roto zero going over there if I'm not mistaken I'm sure that if somebody's listening that knows better than me they'll correct it Um, but uh, yeah it's anyways St. John's was going to be the uh, first official ship deployed over there and uh at that time they came out with the um you remember uh, i know this is a stretch back to 2002 um when they released that message saying that you were allowed to have a certain percentage of personnel on trains deploy to the combat zone no i wasn't serving at that point in time no no anyways it came out back then and uh that was so here I am, like, you know, all I've done is my basic training, and they're talking about sending me over nice. <laughs> there. Yeah, yeah. Anyways, I was shitting bricks. Yeah, You know, I didn't even have my uh, environmental C training, which is like a must to... Yeah deploy on a ship <laughs> so that's that's the same thing as what
0: we would do like uh soldier qualification your your basic absolutely. army introduction this is machine guns and grenades and all this stuff
1: absolutely yeah. so what the navy does is they call it the they used to call it the o scab and then they switched over uh i think it was in 2003 they call it netp which is naval environmental training plan yeah um so the whole idea is sim- similar idea to the soldier wall. this from gives you a general familiarization with the ships um, all the fitted systems all the damage control systems what a deckhead yeah. is what the deck is what a bulkhead is you, know, you learn it all the basics yeah absolutely here's what you need to do to function yeah the,
0: we we call it bmq land is what it's now called for the army side of it it's you know people and their ideas where you go from bmq now you're in bmq land it's
1: real smart oh Outstanding. Yeah. yeah, I was get I was getting confused with that. <laughs> so yeah. it's basic training part two. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah, carries
0: it on. Yeah, there uh, yeah. some some good idea fairies were involved in that one. I'm pretty sure. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, so, how long did you serve in the navy?
1: I ended up releasing in 2014 October. So, so almost 12 years. Just ish? over just over 13. I have my CD, uh-huh. sir. Nice, nice. Yeah. Means you didn't get caught to about getting in any trouble, yeah, 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 absolutely. Isn't that how it goes? 12 years, uh, undetected crime,
0: nice. And I love the fact that we have that in our regs. It's like undetected crime, you can do crime, you just can't get caught for it. I just, I love that, (laughs) absolutely. So now you started, uh, MIA back in, sorry, you'll remind me again, 2018. 2018. Now, how is that going from what four years
1: out? Five years out? Yeah, four years. Yeah, just shy of four years. And then starting your own business? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, M.I.O. is actually the second business I did. So after I got out, I had uh, illustrious designs to be an electrician. So I hopped on a plane. I flew into Edmonton. I went into NISCU and I found the first uh, industrial electrical shop. And I walked in, and I did the, uh, here's my resume. I'd like to be an electrician. Actually, uh like most military guys well not most but the way i did it is i legit had like a list of places that i knew were looking for electricians i had their addresses and i had them all planned out according to geography and i walked in and met the electrical manager great guy um and i had a I walked out with a job and apparently my two days prep work was for nothing. <laughs> um, so I did electrical for a, a quite a bit in Northern Alberta here and uh, working with the big heavy stuff. Got a bunch of schooling uh, written off uh, because of actually being a former electronic technician. Yep. Makes sense. Then uh, eventually I think I was doing it for about two years and this is right in uh Right in the beginning of 2016 uh, when the the whole crash started really affecting things with the oil and uh, i switched over to uh, ncso which is a national construction safety officer so best way to explain that is we all know about oh and s private sector companies uh, hire ncso's to ensure that they are compliant, so when OH&S does come, you talk to the NCSO and you kind of team up between you and they say, we have a reason to suspect, and you say, no, you don't, because here's all my paperwork, we're good to go. Oh Yeah, that's uh, where that went, and then uh, I actually got laid off probably uh, six months after getting the job. Happy times. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And
0: then, did you just like out of the blue go? You know what? I want to start making shirts.
1: No, not really. Um, that's kind of an interesting thing because I kind of did a after I got laid off. And that was because of Alberta wildfires that that happened. Right. Um, just all work dried right up in the area, and basically, if you weren't seasoned and in the know of whoever is in those positions, you weren't getting a job in the field. Yeah. Um. So I did a bit of bouncing around started up a uh, painting company, uh, doing painting contracting, and so I was doing that right up until last August, uh, 2019. And uh, 2018, my wife was doing an ROTP program through McEwen, and part of that was to come up with a uh, business. So the I yeah, the idea being is you wanted to have the workings of a business and what it would be and there were certain key points that the professor wanted her to have. And in walking through that I had this glorious idea. It's like, ah, oh, that's easy. Do a military focused company that does t shirts. And then there had to be a social aspect to it to because apparently ninety percent of all businesses these days need some kind of uh, social—I don't know how to how do they explain it—but uh, basically you need to have that component of your business that uh, says you're being socially responsible and such. And my thought on that was, okay, we will give a portion of our profits to veteran charities. So that was my idea. She came up with something totally different. And then a month later, I said, "You know what? I'm going to do it." And I sat down and I legit drew up my proposal, pinged uh, the idea off a couple of a couple of old buddies of mine in the military, and uh, in particular, an old PO of mine. And uh, I didn't have anybody tell me it was a horrible idea, so I decided to just launch it in July yeah, July 1st of 2018. Uh, tr- trying to keep with that whole Canadian bit. Now. Throughout all this,
0: right, you're you're tossing out ideas to your your wife who's in a program, you're tossing ideas off your buddies. What part of your military background gave you that little bit of a a push, that little bit extra to get the work done? You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. I guess if I was to break it down into a bubble uh, or even like a theme, the biggest thing that you learn from the military— and I don't care if it's Navy or Air Force, at some point in time, you've been in the positions. You've either seen things that you didn't agree with, but you had to toe the line and go, or you came across situations that were just mountainous because of the lack of resources that you had. But you always have the sergeant or the PO sitting there doing that. Well, this is the mission, boys. Get her done. Doesn't have to be pretty, but it has to be done, right? So I think what it is for me was 13 years of being in that environment where you sit there and you have an idea and it's yours and you can implement this idea. Well, you do. And then you get there and you make this company called Mjolnir Initiative Apparel, thinking it's awesome. But the reality is, and this is why it's now MIA. Everybody has, or not everybody, but a lot of people had a hard time with Mjolnir. Yeah. Which if people didn't know, it's Thor's hammer. And the reason why I wanted Thor's hammer is because I thought, you know, what are Canadian servicemen, but modern day Vikings. So I thought it would kind of fit that way. And it does to a point for sure. Yeah. But because a lot of people had a hard time with it, I missed out on the very first thing of starting a business and that's if you're going to have a name and if you're going to have a symbol, it has to be easy to pronounce and visually people have to recognize it. So that's why it's now MIA, still keeping with that military thing. But how the military impacted that is I was able to recognize this and I was able to adapt to that and come up with a solution because that's all you do in your career at least really. so that's what i found of research on
0: military history and our, our own background on what the the canadian military specifically has done over the years and we always seem to be given a job where everyone's like this isn't gonna work you know let the canadians try it and then we just get it done everyone freaks out and they're like what How, how'd that happen wait who oh okay well i guess i guess that, that that one was a fluke we'll try it again and then like in the boer war uh, they just dropped us in the middle of nowhere, and they're like, yeah, you don't Canadian troops, let's see how they do against these Dutchmen, and we just rocked it. Move on to World War I, and they're like, you know what, let's just throw these Canadian troops in the middle of nowhere.
1: Oh, absolutely, but that's because pound for pound, we are definitely punching outside of our weight.
0: Oh, absolutely, and I think it's because of the fact of that exact thing you said, is we're used to dealing without, and we're used to being given jobs that normally— couldn't get done without the right equipment and the right stuff and the amount of people, et cetera, et cetera. And we're constantly being given those jobs with less. So
1: I think that's why it works so well for us specifically, why we can punch above our weight. Yeah, I could definitely see that. um I know for myself, like realistically, and I get this a lot. A lot of people see MIA and they think that uh, they think that I'm some like big company, and uh, nope. No, I'm not. (laughs) That is legit the uh, fruits of hard, tenacious labor where I honestly sat there and scrutinized every aspect of what I needed and figured out how to accomplish it, right? Because that's what you do in warfare, right? This is what I got. Here's the tools in my toolbox. How do we make it work? I couldn't agree more. In that, in
0: every aspect of my military career, it was here's the job, here's what you got, get it done, and there was no question of the fact that we would get it done. And you just, you just got to figure out how adapt and
1: overcome, right? Oh, absolutely. It's it's starting to become a bit of a moniker of mine. There, there's so much that I find other vets um, forget about where they come from. Yep. Like as a veteran. You are subject to so much in your training and special information and training in itself that is given to you that guys, when they get out, they get so disgruntled in what's either happened to them or they get caught up in their own injuries or drama that they kind of legit forget that you can take that training and apply it to your current situation no matter what it is, right? I've chosen to apply it to a business. You could apply it to your personal life too. Yeah, I can see it.
0: You know, I finished my my business diploma last year and we were dra- drafting up a you know, a general business plan for one of the assignments. And as I was doing it, I was looking at it and I'm like, this is a set of orders. Isn't it though? It it literally is just a set of orders. If you look at the, the layout of your standard SMESC orders and everything that's laid out in there, and you transfer it into the language of business, it's almost word for word.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely.
0: And as soon as I recognized that, I was just like, oh, phew, this is so easy. And I pounded out a business plan in you know a couple of minutes, as I'm used to doing for orders. Yeah, no, yeah, especially if you're in the field or something, right? <laughs> so I want to talk about isolation. Now, the reason I want to talk to you specifically about it is because you were in the Navy. You spent some time on ships. And I think, as you said to me a little while ago, it was 300-some-odd yeah, feet yeah. from Bowstern.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Literal
0: And the uh, an ocean, isolated. everywhere else. <laughs> yeah. Now, I've been isolated quite a bit in my time. But as you said, uh, again, another conversation that we had, we were outside, right? There was still, the ground was in front of us. We could walk, technically, in any direction we wanted to, uh, if we didn't mind the IEDs and stuff. But the isolation there was, was a little bit easier. We could move between the lines a little bit. You know, I could go talk to the tankers. I could go talk to the infantry guys. I could go talk to the artillery guys. I could wander around within my own sections and the squadron in base. But for you, you're surrounded by what, a couple hundred people?
1: uh, Well, I I spent most of my career on destroyers, so there's a bit more people than uh, typically. But uh, yeah, anywhere from 200 to 300 people. That's it. How do
0: you think that affected your mindset? To getting you know your own space you're surrounded by 300 plus people or 200 plus people and you have nowhere to go how do you how do you carve out your own space in that
1: yeah so <laughs> fortunately because of my personality i am a social butterfly now there's a couple of people who might be listening to this that knew me later in my career and they wouldn't quite catch that um but for me it was pretty easy, right? Because I enjoyed talking to people and knowing what's going on. And that's kind of how I assimilated on ship, right? And the other thing that they do in, in the ships is if you're the new guy, they always put you in the, the galley. They have a position there called scullery, which basically means dishwasher. Um the thing that I never appreciated at the time, because at the time I was doing that, yeah, join the Navy, wash dishes, yay. But what ended up happening was it's actually a very smart thing if you take a, a leadership uh, lens to it. Because you put your new guy in front of everybody in the junior ranks because he's sitting there at a window taking dishes And then, you know, you stack them, you wash them, run through the dishwasher, that kind of deal, and back. But everybody, all shifts, has FaceTime with you. So in that respect, you get to meet all your peers, and you get to see who's who in the zoo and all the different personalities that the Forces uh, loves to bring together. And uh, I really enjoyed that aspect of it uh, because eventually... uh, form those friendships that become like the pinnacle of your career and so for me it was pretty easy but later in life when you know you have a wife and kids and all that stuff that's actually when it became the issue of I need some me time and that's legit what what ends up happening is eventually you'll come to some kind of point in your life where you need to be alone. So you, what you do is you kind of recognize in yourself that, like, you want to be alone. And then you go to the part of the ship where there isn't anyone. Because surprisingly, even though, like, the ships are, are very small spaces, there's certain things that, like, if you go to the part uh, top part ship, there's almost never anybody there. Further to that... um The guys are pretty perceptive right because you you are in close quarters with everybody so what ends up happening is is they'll recognize that you're in not in that mood to socialize and they'll just leave you be and let you decompress or you you could always just go to your rack and close the curtain and that's your space because that becomes infinitely apparent that there's kind of an onus on everyone there. There's an onus on you to recognize that you need the space and there's an onus on everybody around you to give you that space. So, even right now, if you're in a a uh, self-isolation situation with this coronavirus pandemic, it, it could definitely be applied to your household. Like, wife's having a bad day. Well, she needs to recognize that she's having a bad day. But you also have to recognize that it's happening too, so it's very important to do that. Okay, like, come on, kids, we're going to give mom some space and take them out in the backyard if you have one, or the basement, or another room, whatever, right? And put an addendum on that and
0: say, you know, the best thing you can do is talk to the person too. Because I know for my wife, if I were just to take the kids and be like, okay, we're going to give mom some space, that would piss her off more because I'm removing removing her from the conversation
1: yeah no absolutely two-way comms is always the way to go
0: yeah absolutely yeah i just wanted to make the addendum on that because it is it can get to a habit where you just say okay i'll just give you some place and then you just fuck off and you didn't actually talk to the person to find out what was wrong or if it was a bad day or if they were going through something or wanted to talk it out or whatever it's always better to have some comms
1: yeah, no, absolutely. You do you do need to look and do the hey, are you okay? Yeah. Uh, the key I think
0: is there is being able to actually recognize when you need to take time. And then, you know one of the things I had a hard time with going through my struggles was the recognition of when I needed to step away and the uh you know when I should isolate myself or when I should step away from the situation but not be isolated few times uh when it was really bad you know I I want to be away from everybody else but I still wanted to be close to my wife right so you're isolated but you're not
1: yes I, I, and absolutely and how that would apply in like this situation is very apparent but what I've noticed is over the years the people who deal well with being away for extended periods of time are the people who have that relationship with their significant other yes Absolutely, and they are have the ability to do the. I'm not having a good day. I should talk to the wife or the husband, whoever that may be. And then further to that, if you're having like just a bad day versus you're having a full blown meltdown, those are two very different situations, right?
0: Yeah, it's a uh, and it's a it can be a very fine line between a bad day and a meltdown
1: it it very well could and it's funny because these days they teach about the uh the stress scale yeah where i am on the stress scale you know am, am i am i in the green am i in the yellow or am i in the red and i think that takes a lot of knowing yourself like really truly knowing who the hell you are um, because if you don't, like, how are you going to identify that there's even a problem? If you don't know
0: yourself, you can't know that there's a problem, and you know a, a lot of that comes to being humble, being you know self-critical, and determining whether or not, and an understanding. The other part of it is understanding that your actions bleed into or your feelings bleed into other people. You know, I could have a really crappy day oh, at absolutely. home.
1: Absolutely, anybody that has kids should know that. <laughs> yep. Absolutely. Yeah.
0: But, you know, when you have a really bad day and it starts to affect your ability to communicate or affect the relationship or affect the um, how you interpret other people's words. That's another one, too, where when I was really having troubles, my wife would say something to me and I would immediately turn it negative just because of the mood that i was in or if i was a good mood then i would you know take it with a lot more grain of salt yeah exactly and i think that's that's a big part of it is once you you have to be able to recognize in yourself those those points where you know okay i am not doing well i'm not communicating well i'm not receiving well i just need i need to isolate and isolate well right this is one of the sorry go ahead
1: well, you're going to say that's the trickiest part of it, and you're right because you you can't. Maybe it's the terminology that's kind of getting my hackles up, but like it's not necessarily self-isolating, right? Like you you referred to, it, if if you were having a total meltdown, you'd withdraw yourself from others, but it, all of a sudden your relationship with your wife became. Infinitely more important to you right so i I think like while isolating may be a part of it, I think what you're more accurately talking about it is you need to decompress versus isolate. Does that make sense yep absolutely
0: so I was going to get into that next in that isolating well versus not well you can i I use the term isolate because I do remove my external triggers right i i go somewhere by myself. Now, when I isolate well, I have stuff to do, right? I have, um, I can study French or I can, um, you know, I can work on my rifles and I like to tear them down and clean them and put them back together. Cause it's mechanical. You know, I love to uh, do jujitsu or uh, pound some iron, you know, whatever it is I need to do in that moment, I'm going to isolate myself away from others, but I'm going to be constructive with it whereas when you are isolating negatively you are just hiding in a hole and you're you're not you're not as you said you're not decompressing you're just hiding
1: yeah hiding is probably the most accurate term there i say yeah no and i absolutely agree with that chance it's um it's something that I think we all do to varying degrees because as we all know, like I don't think anybody comes out of their time in the service unscathed, especially guys who were in there in the two thousands. Um, yeah. for for whatever reason it may be. And I think the the best thing that uh I ever heard to that was uh somebody who had severe PTSD and uh there was another guy comparing himself to this guy and he looked at him and he's told him he's like listen like don't compare what happened to me to what happened to you because the reality is it doesn't really matter what matters is we're both injured and we're both hurting because of it
0: i got this cheesy lines that i like to pull out every once in a while when i talk about stress is that you can drown just as easily in seven feet of water as 20 it only takes a tablespoon exactly right like if if, if you are unable to get your head out of the water. It doesn't matter how deep it is. Your head's just underwater.
1: Yeah, oh, absolutely. Uh,
0: one of the major difficulties is recognizing, especially when you're panicking or when you're in that that uh, uh, limbic brain where you're in, you know, fight, flight, or freeze, is recognizing what's around you. And this is where you know a lot of mindfulness training comes into and environmental awareness. Environmental awareness. It's very important in all things. Absolutely. Uh, there was what was it, uh, Robin Hood. You know the story of Robin Hood when he meets Little John and he fights him in a river and then trips him and he, Little John thinks he's drowning and uh, Robin Hood just says, put your feet down and he just stands up. He was in like three feet of water.
1: Oh, absolutely. And it's funny because uh, in above water warfare, it's it's always something that happens. Is um, You see somebody when you're doing naval warfare and all of a sudden you'll have like multiple bogeys inbounds and missiles and stuff like this. And guys would just get sucked right into like five nautical miles, which in naval warfare terms is not a space you want to be sucked into. But it it always seems to happen because you follow the threat and then you have another threat and it keeps closing in on your position. And then guys get sucked into that five nautical mile ring. But meanwhile, they're not keeping an eye out 50, 100, 250 miles where there's somebody else taking a, a pop shot with a bunch of missiles that is going to come crashing down on your world in the next three to four minutes, right? And it's just so funny. So it, it's definitely applicable to even this situation. Right. You know, don't get sucked into your own space. You got to keep a, an eye as to what's going on around you.
0: Such a great analogy. In the army, we do the section attack and it is the same thing. When you come up onto the objective, you're sucked into that five, fifteen feet in front of you where that trench is. And everyone's guns start to traverse inwards towards where the trench is. So if I was a C9 gunner a lot of the time, so I was always on the flank and you would always want to bring your gun into the trench that you're supposed to be shooting at but if you do that then you're going to start lazing the rest of your team and obviously yeah, that's bad <laughs> you have you have to you have to continually fight that and push your gun outwards and keep your head up and keep scanning to that flank because that's your responsibility not the uh the, yeah, the I mean, it's even the, the
1: same in urban warfare uh, situations. To, yeah, tunnel vision, absolutely. With the yeah, with the boarding party when you have that dissident, and he's coming towards you, and you get sucked right into that dealing with that guy. Oh well, it turns out he actually only has a knife. Yep. And you totally miss the guy that was ten feet down the the hallway with the uh, the AK. <laughs> As yep. Intending to the light you and your team up, right? Now, it's very funny, right? But it's it, these are the little t- kind of things that, like, why do we not recognize those tools when you're out of the military? It's
0: because of the um, the shock difference between what the military is and the mindset and the people that you're around, and you know, it, it's a miniature lifestyle, right? It, it, it when it comes to you know how a person can live their life on this planet. The military is a very small fraction of that, so when we step away from it, it becomes so different. You're stepping into an entirely new world, even though you grew up in the world to begin with, yeah, <laughs> but yeah. it's still yeah, there's definitely a culture shock I think that's one of the biggest reasons why so you don't look at your tools from the military as applicable to civilian life because it is it's so different, so different,
1: oh yeah, no, it's. It... I remember the the first job I had outside of the military and uh, some kid didn't show up to work and I was doing the holy crap, that's a thing. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Like, you can just not show up? (laughs) Yeah, well, they they called the guy up, just to make sure he was coming, like, you you didn't, like, quit or anything, right? You you are coming back. I was like, what? (laughs) (laughs) This is a thing?
0: I struggled with that actually quite a bit when I first got out and started going to school, and uh, I missed an assignment or two, and I was, like, losing my mind. I was calling the teacher, and I was trying to get in hold of the dean, and I'm like, hey, can I get an extension? Is this possible? I need to hand this in, blah, blah, blah. They're like, no, it's fine. Just don't worry about it. It's an assignment.
1: yes. Right? Yes. That crushing anxiety of I'm going to be late or I messed up. Oh, no, I'm going yep. to be charged. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I uh, love
0: it. Or
1: I don't have that. You anymore. know, especially in the
0: engineers. <laughs> oh, yeah, When the engineers, it was like, you fuck up, people die. That was like the standard. Doesn't matter what it is. Oh, we're dealing with UXOs. If you screw up, somebody dies. We're dealing with mines. If you screw up, somebody dies. It's a it's a very black and white thing in the engineer. <laughs> so when we got out, it was challenging.
1: And I can appreciate that. And it's um, it's very much the same in the Nisop world. Um, because Nisop being the pointy end of the ship, uh, tip of the sword, if you will. Uh, everything has to happen. It has to happen now, and it has to happen correctly. Yeah. Right. You know, time taking time to deviate from the drills that are set out. it just It's just not, they're not receptive to change because of various reasons. <laughs> you know, mostly to do with the, the two-minute uh, time frame that you have from missile launch from aircraft to hitting the side of the ship. Um, you have two minutes, so you have to react, you have to react now, and you have to react appropriate to the threat. So yeah, the the Nissop world wasn't very forgiving that way either. But that being said, the important thing to realize is you are not in the military anymore. It takes a while. And it may sound stupid, but I find a lot of guys, even myself included, kind of forget that I'm not in the military anymore.
0: It takes a number of years to really shake it out of your head.
1: And... A lot of that comes down to that whole personal narrative that you have in your brain box telling you that you mess up, people are going to die. Because at the end of the day, if I show up late to work, no, it's not going to look good, but nobody's going to die. I'm not going to get charged. They're just not going to pay me for that hour bit more forgiving. A
0: little bit. Yeah, just a hair, right? <laughs> the, uh, the thing that turned it around for me was I was in school and I was talking to a buddy of mine who had already been through school. He'd been out for a little while. And uh, he was like, man, C's get degrees. And it hit me like a ton of bricks. I was like, man, C's do get degrees. What am I doing? Like, I realized that there was no uh, there was no top third, right? Oh, there was no yeah, no yeah, yeah, top yeah, three yeah, on the yeah. course. Yeah, I wasn't I didn't need to be that guy. There's no top just, student award. word. Well, there kind dude, of is,
1: but <laughs> Yeah, man, just
0: Yeah, but it's just like do the work, hand it in. It 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 separated the mindset of military learning to uh, the mindset of just standard yeah. learning.
1: So <laughs> um flung the paradigm man. <laughs> no, and and I definitely get that. And um see I didn't have that problem when I was in the military. Um, because while there was your top third and your top students and all that good stuff, this is like a personality fault of my own. Um, My motto was green means go. Uh, Did I pass? Excellent. Green means go. Smart. So it was probably quite a bit easier for me to adapt to this uh, civilian environment because of that. Um, Because at the end of the day, like, It's not going to, they're not going to put down that, you know, oh, yeah, Chance Burroughs, last of his class. Yeah. Promotions, probably not going to happen. Yeah. Postings, yeah, probably (laughs) not going to (laughs) happen. You know, no, no, they don't care. You, you pass the course, you get the certificate at the end of it. That's your name on the end of it. You worked for it, and away you go, right? Um, I believe uh, they distinguish with honors and so on.
0: So yeah, on, but, but that's about it. What I mean, you know? There's an old joke that goes: uh, What do you call someone who graduated last in his uh, medical school? Doctor. No one cares what how he got there, right? Like he passed. He has the certificate. He's got the qualifications.
1: He's still a doctor. Oh, absolutely. That's no, and it is right. You know, and, and unfortunately, and people outside of the military don't even think of it, right? Like, if you're a journeyman, well, you put in the work, you've met the minimum standard, you got your seal, away you go. You're still an electrician or you're still a plumber or whatever. You know, people people don't think in these kind of contexts. We're in the military. You're right. It's absolutely like you want to be in the top third because if you're not in the top third, are you going to merit? Are you going to rank? Are you going to get the... The the Gucci postings, <laughs> your choice. Yeah, are you going to get in the,
0: the section with all the other go getters, or are you going to get the the dive course that's coming up, or the HB course, you know, stuff like that? So,
1: yeah, no, yeah, the, yeah, priority coursing, and then what what else is attached to it? Oh, your yep. per, yep. Yeah, and the guy writing your purr is going to know where you placed on your course. Um, right. <laughs> yeah, there, there's definitely yeah. Look, look at all that. Yeah,
0: just just a little bit, yeah, a little crazy. bit, uh, a <laughs> little bit riding on what,
1: on everything that you're doing at once. Uh, yeah, everything you do matters. <laughs> <laughs> no, but not to take away from that though, right? But that's probably why a lot of military people, when they are out. Like, it doesn't matter who you are. Like, look at me, I'm Navy, You're your army. I'm a hard sea trade, your combat arms. Um, we both have it, that training kind of ingrained into you. You know, whether I choose to ignore it these days is a little bit different because I'm pretty sure I could flip the switch and go right back to it. Um, but maybe that's why we do so well when we're put into these private uh, sector situations, right?
0: That brings me to my next point. Was one of the things that gets tricky for especially military guys when we get out is keeping busy versus being productive. And I find a lot of guys I know they get out and they they get busy because they're used to being busy and they just start doing things here, or there, and everywhere else, but never go anywhere with it. They don't become productive or they don't do work that is productive for them. Uh, and then, you know, two, three, two, three years down the road, they start to burn. Right, out. Right.
1: So they're doing stuff that don't, doesn't yeah, matter. Exactly. Yeah. And it's going to take them a while to realize that. Right. Um, There's a, there's a couple of things there, right? Like we've already talked about the toolbox. Yeah. And we've already talked about the fact that you were in the military and you know, about orders, you know, about, uh, was it a uh, small, I used to call it small escape. What the hell is it? The acronym. Yes. That's it. See, look, I didn't even have to, <laughs> it spells right out when you say small escape. Um, but yep. you know <laughs> these things, right? And, and I think what it, you're absolutely right, because whether you're a corporal or a y you're used to those uh, make work projects. Oh yeah. So all of a sudden you're out. So you start finding these make work projects. But if you're doing it aimlessly, then yeah, that's going to be that's going to be a long, brutal road. <laughs> yep.
0: And you know, and even in myself, I got out and I had all these great dreams. Like you know, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do this. And then it starts to hit crap. You know, I I'm having issues with being around crowds. Okay, well I don't want to be around crowds. So you start to pull back from being anywhere there could be a crowd and then you start to pull back from even the hint of a crowd and then you just don't want to go outside at all and then it's a it's a very slippery slope especially when you get busy because you start to get used to being busy so that when you're not busy it starts to bug you and then you so you get busier and then you start doing more and then you start to burn out and you start to have that drain on your on your psychological capital that's you know all the how much stress you can take in a day, right? And if you're constantly working, then that's constantly being drained. Whereas if you're productive, if you're, you know, if you're working all day, but you're moving the chains forward, if you're actually doing something, you're taking ground on your goal. You're not using as much of that capital.
1: You know what I mean? But a lot of that comes down to the fact that you're kind of wandering aimlessly, right? Yeah. Right? Like, what is your mission? Have you identified that? Do you understand your mission? You know, like civvy side, they call it goal setting. Yep. Military side is your mission. If you're going to like start just doing make work projects, that's not really a mission. So I think that's where the kind of disconnect is. Yeah. But if you could like legit sit down with the pen and paper, do yourself a business plan, give yourself orders. It's a very important step because it'll allow you to, one identify what the hell you're doing Two, establish goals or milestones and keep track of your progress i think it's also important that that mission whatever it may be has to be important and meaningful whether it's getting your business degree establishing a business or a business plan like like it has to be there has to be some kind of sustenance to it does that make sense
0: one of the 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 points that I always bring up when people get out is throughout our careers, we were told mission before self. Mission before self was, you know, across the board, everything and everything that it is to be military. But what happens when the mission is self, then what do you do? If you keeping you healthy is the mission, how do you do that? It was always responded to with like an oh, oh, mm." because no one had ever really
1: thought about it, right? Yeah, a little bit of a retrospect here. No, and there's a couple key points there that everybody can kind of take away from. Like, I don't know what they told you guys in the Army, but I know in the Navy, we always used to talk about the three pillars. Expand on that. Okay, so three pillars of um, mental resilience is what it comes down to. Now, maybe they paid a little bit more attention to the Navy types because we were stuck on a tin can out in the middle of nowhere, Um, but... One of those, like, pillars is sleep. You need your sleep. Yeah, we never got that. You need to have it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, uh, do, don't get me wrong. There was a time in the Navy when, like, sleep dep was a, a real mean beast. And I have done the 14-day the workup where, you know, you you kind of forget your name and you just kind of respond. Um, But but, um, I think it was about 2007, 2008, the Navy started to kind of accept the fact that when you are tired, you do not learn. So accurate. (laughs) Funny thing about that. (laughs) Because the Navy became more interested in having sailors who learnt and understood the material versus trained to react. Because we could do that. At, Which makes sense. Yeah, well, the idea is if you set up a guy with the foundation and he has all the tools in his toolbox to understand his job inside and out, well, we can work on the whole muscle reaction, muscle memory thing in trainers. Because you just drill it into a guy versus sleep that drill it into a guy. All right, um, so they changed that approach. Yeah, uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure it was 2008. And one of those pillars, uh, they introduced the three pillars. It was sleep, um, physical activity, so being physically fit, and uh, nutrition. So if you have those three pillars, you will, in theory, take care of yourself. And it's kind of funny because uh, they'd also throw in hygiene there as well. Um, and and that is how you, uh, take care of yourself. Um, so maybe it was four pillars now that I think of it, but regardless, um, you need to get your rest. You need to fuel, you know, give yourself that break mind and body. You need to fuel yourself with the proper nutritional food. You need to exercise yourself to make sure that you're fit for duty. And then hygiene, um, was one of those things that they always had to keep an eye on. When it came to your subordinates and yourself, which in the close quarter situation like the Navy is pretty apparent who's, you know, taking care of himself uh, yeah. as far as personal hygiene, who isn't. But um, yeah, they, they legit sat down uh, psychologists with us and uh, they talked about these things. And one of the things they said was like the guy who's not showering on a regular basis and not brushing his teeth on a regular basis, keep an eye on him. Because those are both key points of a person's um, mental health. Because if you're not taking care of your basic cleaning, then what else are you letting go? And stuff until at least I got back in
0: uh, October of 08 is when I got back from Afghanistan and they started running that stuff uh, as I got back. We kind of touched on it right before we left uh, in 07, but there wasn't a whole lot to it because we were just getting drilled mercilessly. <laughs> it was tons of sleep depth, tons of drilling, just you're, they were giving us, lots. and they always used to say, you know, Oh, make sure you get your sleep. And you're like, okay. And then they'd give you more work than you could possibly do in 24 hours.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, there was a bit of that. Uh, so you wouldn't uh, get any sleep. That. Uh, yeah. Take care of yourself. Now do the work of 10 men. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I gotta love how the military adapts to itself, but I I will admit, though, that I have seen it work, and I've noticed it myself, um, especially on this side of the fence, as far as military goes, like, you know, have I showered today? Maybe I should do that. You know, did I remember to brush my teeth? Maybe I should do that. And I keep up on it as a matter of, because I know if I don't, then I start falling down that slippery slope of well, all of a sudden I'm not sleeping right. And then you, you start getting involved in these tasks or whatever it may be that you've said to give yourself. And you
0: start burning yourself out pretty yeah. hard. The, uh, one of the things that I wanted to uh, dig into here was the big difference between grace and slack. And that's really what it comes down to, especially when you start losing um, personal hygiene points, is where giving yourself the time becomes taking slack. You're not just taking the time you need. You're taking the time you need and then some. Uh, I, I'm not going out today, so I'm not going to shower. You know, and then that becomes two or three days, and you haven't showered. And then, especially in today's world where we're all isolated within our homes, it can get pretty easy to not shower for a day, and then realize that it's been three days, and then you know, not brush your teeth twice a day or not brush your teeth at night for a day. And then it becomes two or three days. Just because the days are repeating themselves, right? It's general isolation that not a lot of people are trained up on as we are.
1: Oh, no, absolutely. And I think that's where um that's where the military is so great, right? Um in the military everything's scheduled. Yeah. So I would highly suggest that anybody who's decided to listen to us, um, develop a schedule or a routine at home. Doesn't have to be set in stone, like a fluid schedule, it's fine, but you know, base it off your meals and go from there for what works for you. And part of that should include hygiene, absolutely. You know,
0: my psychologist always calls them uh, non negotiables. So, you pick to begin with, you pick like three non negotiables. So, one of them is for me, uh, I have to work out, otherwise, my day is crap. I have to keep up with my hygiene, that means showering once a day brushing my teeth, standards, Um, and then uh, having at least an hour of just time by myself. So every day I have an hour by myself that I can, you know, I can play video games, I can work on the Walk for Veterans, I can do a podcast like this, or I can, uh, you know, I can do whatever I want, but it's specifically me time. I don't have the kids hanging off me, I don't have my wife asking me to do stuff, it's just me. And those three things have to happen every day for me. But as you said, you have to keep a balance with that. Things have to be fluid. So if you know my kids are driving my wife insane, and I have my hour of me time, I'll take twenty minutes. I'll take five minutes, and then I'll you know I'll take a day the next day or whatever. But the scheduling for sure. But balance, as you said, is it's key,
1: right? Absolutely right. It's it's very much heavily involved. But like a routine, you need to have that routine. And you'll also notice if you have a routine set up, your kids oh, yeah. will thrive because kids thrive on that that routine behavior. They crave order because I know in our house, well, they do, right? And that's what you're doing because if you you walk into chaos and you just only have chaos, it's that that's exactly all it's going to be. And I imagine for you with your uh, your three must haves there, um, what did you call them? Non-negotiables. Yeah, your three non—I like—I like that. Your three non-negotiables. I think that's very important. There's a lot of takeaway from there, right? Because what I'm getting from that is you're already looking after your personal care. You're already looking after that decompression that we were talking about earlier. That in the Navy is instrumental to living in co- close quarters. You know, it, it just, it packages everything nicely. And I can definitely see why they would uh, have you put those non-negotiables in place. And, uh, like I said, like, you know, if you have your mission, you have your schedule, like, uh, it, it just makes your day so much easier and you have to maintain that balance, right? Like you have to be able to, you know move lunch from 12 o'clock to one o'clock or whatever comes up because even in a day our days today like there are still little things that pop up but there's nothing that you can't wait
0: especially if you have kids kids are absolutely they love to throw a wrench in your plans uh, every moment i think the
1: other thing that i would say i've already heard you speak to it a few times without naming it if you have a shitty self-narrative you're gonna have a shitty day and a lot of people don't realize it. No, I didn't realize it there for a long time. The first time I came across it, I think, was 2006. Uh, or maybe, no, it was 2005, sorry. And it was in another one of those tools in the toolbox they wanted to give us before we did a major deployment. Because 2005, I was doing workups for about six months going into a higher readiness period. And then I went on to a uh, what ended up being a seven, eight month deployment. Um, so definitely a lot longer than most of us are used to, but uh, that self-narrative, right? The, the the words that you use to for yourself, um, will definitely affect and be self-fulfilling in your day to day. So it, it's kind of funny, like it, they teach this to the JTF guys, but they wouldn't really teach it to us even though they understood the power of it. Figure that, right? So I guess what that means is when I come across a obstacle and whatever it may be, um, do I look at that and they say, holy crap, I'm never going to be able to do that. Or you look at it and you're doing the, I'm going to eat this for fricking breakfast. I got it. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. Yeah. So it's kind of funny how important that is. And I find a lot of guys haven't picked up on that. And veterans are excruciatingly horrible and hard on themselves and each other. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Right. So like I, if I had any hope that anybody listening to This podcast with us is to take that self-narrative and change it. Instead of looking at the, oh, I can't do that for whatever reason. No, you can do it. You just decided to commit yourself to not doing it. So get off your butt, commit and do it. You know what I mean? It's uh, it's just so detrimental. Like, yeah, I guess you look at me with MIA, I decided to start a t-shirt company because I thought the Canex shirt sucked, which all of a sudden rolls into leatherworking. I didn't sit there and say I couldn't do it. I looked at it and said, oh, yeah, I can do that. And I did it. Yep. And if you look at me these days, I'm making boots. Why? Because I looked at it and I said, I can do that, and I'm going to do it. I've never made a boot before, Chance, so I'm not going to lie to you. <laughs> but now I have. <laughs>
0: Well, I, you know I saw I looked at it the other day. it was really good, and the uh the key, I think behind that is that you are you're recognizing the the basics of what it is to be, I would say a veteran, because when I think of a veteran, I think of somebody that has has been there, done that, and he's got the T-shirt, so now he can take all those skills, all the tools that he's gathered in his toolbox, and apply them to whatever comes in front of them i know for me when i uh now when i look at a, an issue it's not oh man this sucks why can't i get this done it's
1: well how am i gonna figure that oh, out Wait, yeah. you, hmm. you mean you're not gonna light your hair on fire no. and then run around <laughs> no i mean with
0: with no, the walk for veterans uh, there's no problem. i got you know I'm i'm running 14 other cities and their teams and trying to manage all that with my family and all these other things and when an issue comes up, I can't freak out. I can't, can't go, woe is me, and look to the sun and hope that a solution uh, comes lands in my friggin' lap. I have to use the tools I have. I have to reach out to some of the people that are more experienced in event management than me, and I talk to them and say, Hey, I have this issue. What did you do when this happened? I talk to people who, just in general, be like, Hey, you've been in business for this many years. Have you ever experienced an issue like this? And you know, use those tools. Use the tools. You all have the tools given to you. We all have the ability to can't say all, but most of us have the ability to talk to other people. Uh, with the internet. It's great. We can email anybody, right? <laughs> like you could email a leader funny that. <laughs> whatever field you're in, you could you could just email someone who is a leader in that field. You could set up a coffee and have a chat with them. You know, networking is such a a big deal in life after the military is such a huge deal in the military. And we step out and we forget
1: about it. (laughs) But the difference, well, it's not that we forget about it. It's that you took it for granted. Ah, yes. Good point. Because, you know, because in the military, your network is given to you. True. It's not until you hit that, you know, when you get your master Siemens, in my case, or master Corporal, that's when it kind of becomes apparent to you. That, oh, this networking thing, it's pretty important. I should pay attention. Because when you're a corporal or a killick, what the hell did networking matter to you? You went and smoked and joked with the guys and that was your network. That's all you needed. Absolutely. But as soon as you start looking at being a section head and you have to start doing that interdepartmental stuff networking becomes important
0: <laughs> it's such a, a leadership tool that i think gets left in the wayside especially when you're doing leadership training is we they don't talk about that very often at least they didn't in plq you know they it was
1: no no, no but they didn't but they didn't have to because in plq you weren't just there with the other guys that you know from your trade oh you did your ql3 four five with this guy yeah. you know them no no all of a sudden there's an army guy and an air force guy and a token navy guy all doing the same course you know what i mean so that they they gave you that social networking that way yeah it, it's kind of funny and maybe that's why it's lost on you when you get out and you do the oh my crap where's my network you don't have any because they're still in yep. right so now it's on you bud to get out there and start finding other like-minded people that, that's a very good
0: point, and it is, I think that's 100% accurate, is that people are not used to, or I should say, uh, veterans when they get out are not used to the fact that it's not laid out in front of them.
1: Yeah, well, everything in the military is laid out in front of yeah. you, right? It, it's, uh, I hate to say it, like, <laughs> I'm, re- I'm going to start bashing on military for this, <laughs> but it, it is so true, right? Like, what do you have to think about? You get up in the morning, you put on your uniform. Yep. Well, You know what uniform you're putting on, so you don't have to worry about that. They told you what to wear. They told you when to show up. They told you when you're going to eat, when you're going to have your coffee breaks, and when you're going to go home. And then they told you that if you do good at this, you're going to move on to the next trade course and the next whatever, right? You know, like you're going to be a private, you're going to be a corporal, a master corporal, sergeant, warrant. And hey, look at that, you're an MWO, right? Like, it's all laid out for you. And we take a lot of that for granted. And to be honest with you, a big point of stress in my life when I first got out was, what the hell am I going to wear?
0: No, I was so happy to not have to wear relish anymore. It was fantastic. But, I mean, you guys had, what, like, nine different uniforms to choose from, so...
1: (laughs) Well, not quite, but uh, we had naval combat dress, which is uh, what we always used to wear. But... uh, yeah. It, I don't know. For me, when after I got out, like that was a little bit of a moment of panic there for a little bit. Oh, crap. What am I going to wear today?
0: <laughs> My biggest one was uh, was shaving. That was the big one when I got out. Because I immediately, I was just like, screw this noise. I'm out, not in the army anymore. I don't need to shave. And then I'd wake up in the morning and I would shave. And I'd be uh, like, what am I okay. doing? Like, no, I wanted to grow a beard. No, this isn't okay. And then I would... Force myself for two or three days. I'd be like, "No, I can't do this," and my skin would just like drive me insane. And then, then I'd be like, nope okay, got to shave
1: again." Oh yeah, well, that's awesome. Uh, what do they? I think the Americans have a term for it. They call it their freedom beard. Oh uh, yes, yeah, yeah. I got okay. it now. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> yeah, no, you got quite the glorious goatee going. That's for sure. <laughs> um I still kind of bounce back and forth on that, and I think that's because in the Navy, you were allowed to have beards. Uh, so for a large portion of my career, as long as you're not deployed, you're allowed to have a beard. Well, for the longest time, you could have a beard whenever. And then they decided that that didn't make sense. So now if you're in to deploy, you can't have a beard, but otherwise you can. So I, I went through like most of my career, like beard, no beard, beard, no beard. And uh, yeah, so it wasn't so big of a deal for me. What I have have found a huge deal for me is having my hair cut. I have to have, like, I can't let it get too out of control.
0: Neither can I. I, I still roll it high and tight. I can't, can't do
1: anything else. Yeah. Got to have high and tight. That's fine. Like I, I've got, uh, it's long on the top right now. Like I think I have a whole four inches. That's it. So I could still fit it under a beret technically. Um, <laughs> though it's kind of funny what sticks with you. Cause I can only grow it so long and then I'm done. But, uh, a lot of people don't realize this or maybe they do and they're being nice um i always cut my own hair so even with this whole uh self-isolation thing yeah, i'm fine I, I got the clippers there and i cut my hair every two weeks anyways it's <laughs> <laughs> straggly
0: right now i'm actually i think i'm gonna have to get my wife to cut it oh, so, yeah. <laughs>
1: <okay>. coming along <laughs> going yeah. for the bull. anyway
0: we're uh, we're a little over an hour now. I think I was going to try and keep it at an hour. Do you have any final points, anything burning, any issues, anything that you want to uh, bring up on the topic of isolation?
1: On the topic of isolation, I, I see a lot of people who are escaping into the internet, and that's cool. I, I, I get it. But I think the biggest thing for me And maybe it's just who I am personally, or maybe it's a product of the environment that was D&D. People, for what I can tell, a lot of people are not taking advantage of this situation to better themselves, in all honesty. like I'm learning how to do YouTube. I'm learning how to do podcasts. I'm learning how to touch up on video editing, audio editing, as well as how to make a boot. Like I said, maybe I'm stretching myself out too thin, I don't know. But regardless, I'm trying to progress forward in something that will benefit me and my family down the road. And I see a lot of people who it looks like they're spending an awful lot of time on Netflix. Um, From what I understand, my wife told me the other day that Netflix no longer has that. Are you there? It's, have you showered yet? Um, that's not cool. (laughs) Um, and I can see it myself. So the biggest thing I can say is get out and learn something new, make yourself better. Um, the military forced you to do that through training because you always had to train for the next level up. Right. And I think that a lot of us don't recognize that what that does is it takes care of idle hands and it forces you to get better. To so your point you said
0: earlier about uh, the, the conversation in your own head, right? What are you going to tell yourself in the morning? Are you going to look at this as an opportunity? Absolutely. You're at home, you got time, No, get some work it's, done, it's, or are you going to look at this as yeah, horrible like, and I'm going like, to sit get around and watch and i out of my mind? I'm not
1: saying... Stay the hell off Netflix. Like, do what you got to do. Hey, give yourself that deacon. <laughs> yeah, and, and I'm no, not going to lie. Like, I
0: enjoy I, I my Netflix too. Don't worry. Netflix <laughs>
1: or whatever else. Like, I might take like you know tomorrow, and tomorrow's going to be a Netflix day, and I'm not going to do nothing. And that's important, right? Because it, it's equally important to have that self indulgence yep. and just kind of let go, like because you you do it in workout routines. So why not do it in your own? personal space of covid self-isolation like have your cheat days definitely have your cheat days but remember the mission remember the focus and continuing to strive forward and be better find that challenge to drive yourself like it's yeah. it's so important right at the end of the day you've had millions of dollars of research and training poured into you use it
0: Yep, absolutely. It, this is the great thing about tools that we've been given is that they're pretty much the same. We just need to figure out how to apply them to us, right? None of this stuff is new. <laughs> Mil- <laughs> Militaries have been talking about them for years. So anyway, thank you again for...
1: Yeah, absolutely. No, Thank you for having me, bro.
0: That concludes this episode of The Toolbox. I want to thank you for listening. I hope you were able to use some of the information that was offered. I want to thank all those putting it on the line for us every day. Military, veterans, first responders, and public servants. Keep up the good work. I look forward to bringing you more tools for your toolbox. And until next time, stay open, stay humble, and stay focused. Chimo.